Welcome to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Roop. I have got my co-host here with me. Hello, Scott Larson. And this is episode three. How are you doing today, Scott? Uh, well, we had about over a foot of snow, and so I've been barely... Uh, um, we have a big long driveway, so I spent about an hour just trying to carve a small uh, road so I can get to and from my garage. But other than that, it's pretty good. I know what you mean. I've been shoveling my driveway. I shoveled it this morning, then for lunch, and then for dinner. So it's it's been pretty crazy with the snowfall that we've been having lately. So Yeah. Well, it's, we're in the middle of a drought, so that's probably good. Yeah, it's probably good. Well, I was planning on being up there for the tournament on Saturday because they're doing the Monsters release party. And they're going to be giving away the stuff for the Stern Army, but with the weather the way it is and them having avalanches on the highway up to there, I don't think I'll be making it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of awkward. I would love to go there, but I have my work party, so I I can't make it. It's kind of a terrible time to do a party. I mean, but how could they have guessed that wow. we were going to have like the polar vortex in the east and then, you know, 10 inches, 12 inches of snow in the west, so... Yeah, well, someone will get a cool translate, and maybe I'll buy it from them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, and I've been listening to the Ben Heck stuff, but I wanted to talk about the two titles he was talking about. Uh, Monty Python, which I grew up with. I love Monty Python, the Holy Grail. And they also talked about an Evil Dead movie. What are your thoughts? So... Monty Python came out in 1975, okay? Okay. And in the 80s, it became this big cult thing. Uh, I, I grew up in 74, or I was born in 74, and so I've probably seen The Holy Grail over 100 times. I mean, that was the, the movie to watch in the 80s and 90s. The problem is I just don't see it being a viable theme for pinball. Uh, it feels like it's been done. I, the way I look at it is Medieval Madness is uh, Monty Python. I, yeah. That's really the vibe that they're going for. So I really see no benefit for making a, a, uh, a Monty Python game when it feels like you almost already have one. I totally agree. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, looking at Medieval Madness, mm -hmm. you got the French guy that's harassing you just like the French guy in the castle. You, you have... The nice part is they had the freedom with Medieval Madness. And so, like, you've got the kookiness of the princesses. You've got some other stuff there. I know uh, they had mentioned a Black Knight toy where, as you hit him, his limbs fall off. But really, I think the castle is, like, the best thing they've done so far for the... They could have done, you know? I don't know. I just... I don't know how big of... I don't feel Monty Python is relevant enough today to justify a pinball machine just for itself. I th it feels a little bit like a been there, done that. Yeah. Um, it would be the same thing as if they if they released a Caddyshack pinball machine. There's a there's a huge following, but guess what? They already did the knockoff with no good gophers. Well, and teed and so, off as well. And teed off. And so it, it seems like, oh, okay, great. And now you're going to release the official one. It it seems like a um, it's missed its window. Yeah, I agree. Well, and... I'll, I'll put this to point too. I'm I am 31 now, and I watched Caddyshack for the first time a couple years ago. I kind of painful. Well, it is kind of painful. I'm I didn't grow up in that era. I kind of was scratching my head at the end of it, like, what did I just watch? And then I was talking to some friends and like, well, you didn't grow up in that era, so you know. yes. Yeah, I I think when you watch a comedy show, 
it kind of it kind of locks into when you watch it because unlike drama, comedy doesn't age very well because either the jokes either get politically incorrect or it's just you know the humor of the time doesn't match what it was back then. Um, I I grew up again the same era in the eighties and nineties. And Fletch is so funny to me, but I wonder what someone would think if they watched Fletch now versus kind of the frame of reference. Because when I watch it, I'm still back in like 1983. You know, I'm a 10-year-old kid. But if someone else watches it, they may say, yeah, this is not funny. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So, Um, And the other theme he talked about was Evil Dead. Personally, me, I'm not a huge Evil Dead fan. Um, I was really, I was actually in a band for 10 years and I met with plenty of different types. I was in like a, a pop punk band and we had like an authentic goth rock band come through and every stop they would watch evil dead. And so when they stayed at my house, we watched evil dead. It was my first time. This was 10 plus years ago. And so mm-hmm. watching it, I didn't get it. Like it just was too, it had the campy vibe and everything to it, but there was just some of it that I just was thought was a little much. I just, I don't see evil dead translating very well into a pinball. Like it could be fun, but then again, how relevant is evil dead? I know that they had the new TV series with Ash versus the evil dead. And it kind of got canceled after just two or three seasons, if I remember correctly. So I don't know if it would be, it wouldn't be good location pinball. I don't know. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, again, I think people need to realize that their dream theme is not necessarily a marketable theme. True. And that I think there are a lot of people who are into that, but is it going to be worth making a, a game out of it? Now, that being said, Spooky has made an entire business model of kind of catering to those niche themes that other companies probably wouldn't be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, you, you have Stern doing, you know, ACDC, Metallica, all these bands that have sold over 100 million albums. And Spooky does Alice Cooper, and Spooky does Rob Zombie. And so there is a little niche there. I can see it. However, it's one of those things that I have no interest in. Yeah, true. But I also... I, I'm also not the only demographic out there. So maybe there is something, but I would really want to do some market research before I did a pinball machine with all that effort and then find out no one wants it. Yeah. Well, and, and there could be some really cool stuff. I mean, the one of the biggest themes of Evil Dead was kind of the basement and the book. And so it'd be kind of cool to see them do like a basement theme with it. But I don't know if Spooky's in that place just yet to be... I don't know, doing levels of that depth of a pinball machine. And I could be entirely wrong. Maybe making a, a lower play field isn't as that big of a deal. So I, I think making a fun lower play field is that big of a deal. Or yeah. if you're going to have a, if you're going to have Congo where you just have Amy, like punching the, you know, the ball back and forth. <laughs> oh, come on. You button know? mashing is always fun. I, right? Hey, trust me. I grew up in the eighties. Button mashing is all the rage, but you know yes. It. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I just don't know if that if that's something that would really be marketable. However, I know that there's a huge cult following and every time they you know, they do one of those fan conferences, he always comes and he has a big following. And so it, it could be just one of those things where 
I'm not the demographic, so I don't get it. There probably is a demographic out there that could get it. Well, I think Munsters is a good example because there's a lot of younger generation in pinball mm -hmm. right now. Munsters is a theme doesn't speak to me, but after seeing the pinball machine, I don't, I wouldn't mind putting a couple plays on it. I don't know if I'd necessarily buy it out of the box, but I mean, it's definitely, you do it right. I think a theme doesn't become a hindrance. It becomes maybe just some side art for people that not aren't necessarily into that theme. So it seems interesting. I basically, there's a reason why certain games sell the way they do it. And it's because they have the right theme with the game. Yep. If you had Lord of the Rings, uh, the pinball machine, but it was, I don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Hello Kitty Island Adventure or something, it probably wouldn't have that mesh of people being interested in buying it. I mean, I, I, I said on my last episode, I bought my first pinball machine based on theme alone it was simpsons yep and i saw it and i said yeah that sounds fun so well that's why i bought uh, my first pinball machine and it was a gottlieb spider-man i like spider-man yeah <laughs> so I, I i would upgrade to the stern one if i were you i know yeah i i think it's just challenging and that that's the magic in trying to find what works so uh evil dead and medieval madness they really wouldn't be big sellers for me yeah i i agree well moving on You've heard the new Stern, uh, the new Stern stuff, right? The James Bond pin coming out. Yeah, and I'm sorry, it feels the same thing. It, for, from Doctor No all the way up. Yes. And we, how how long have we had this theme kicking around? I and mean, it feels like Jaws Fifty Five at this point. Um, and they basically they basically had to reinvent James Bond when the Bourne Identity movies came out because they made him look so unbelievably dated with the Roger Moore James Bond and even the Pierce Brosnan one. It just feels like that's something of a different era. I just don't know if there's a market for it. Maybe there is. Well, and here's the interesting part. Um, Daniel Craig, the current James Bond, actually blamed Mike Myers along with Austin Powers for ruining the James Bond franchise, for making fun of James Bond and making it too silly and that no one could take James Bond seriously anymore. Well, he's, he's, he's right. <laughs> it's I, true. The, yeah. the reason why Austin Powers is so funny is because it points out how ridiculous all these things are. Oh yeah. But he, also I mean, James Bond really was, it's such a dated theme. It's the, you have this, this playboy spy guy from the sixties, which yeah, in sixties America, all those things he does may seem kind of cool, but it seems really dated and very tone deaf in today's America. True. Yeah. Well, and the other, the other concern that I had, um, I don't know if you played the N64 GoldenEye, but they remade that a decade later for the Wii, and then which subsequently went on to be ported to the Xbox and the PlayStation. But when they updated it, I mean, Pierce Brosnan was the James Bond of GoldenEye. Well, when they updated it, I don't know what kind of agreement they have, but Daniel Craig was put in place of Pierce Brosnan. So I don't know if you made a James Bond pin today, if it would then require that you have only Daniel Craig <coughs> in there. Um, I don't know if they'd be, I don't know if they'd be able to have the back catalog of all the other Bonds per se, because Bond's technically one guy, and so the face of Bond is the current Bond. 
I don't know. Yeah, I th- I think it would be hard to do a retrospective. I think it would have to be um, kind of the an era like the the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. I, I don't think you could do all of the James Bond movies because it just doesn't work. Oh come on! It could be like Doctor Who, and you can collect all the James Bonds. <laughs> that, that would be fantastic. And if I had like a teleporter in there that goes back in time, yeah, because yeah. that's in Actually, the James I, Bonds movies. <laughs> there was a really interesting like fan about James Bond though that I really liked. However, they kind of undermined it with, uh, um, what was the one where M died? It was the last. News. Okay, this is my yeah. this is my confession. I've honestly never seen a James oh. Bond all movie all the way through. I saw okay, I, I saw a little bit of Goldeneye, and then I've seen okay. I think all of Casino Royale, and really yeah. the only thing I remember from Casino Royale is where they strip yeah. him naked and they're beating him with like a ball, and I'm like, yeah, what? that's what just, the crap that's is this? Yes, yeah, that's cringeworthy. <laughs> that the, the Casino Royale was them trying to be uh, the Born Identity movies. Yeah, um, with the um, actually, I think. Goldeneye is a great James Bond movie because it still captures that um, I'm a spy, but it's not too out of it. Yeah, um, yeah the uh, but uh, there, there's the one where they uh, they had uh, James Bond go up to his home, and it was like, no, it's it's the Bond Manor where you know whatever. And I th- it, the fan theory that I thought was really interesting where they said James Bond is is it's an alias it's not really the person so that's why it can be different people as it goes through time yeah but uh they kind of shot that down which i thought was kind of sad but they they, sure. yeah it's it just it seems like a dated theme i just don't see uh maybe there's enough people out there but i think that they would have to do like a sean connery oh, if yeah. they did a sean connery james bond oh yeah then i think it would sell to the same people that bought batman 66 that are buying Superman, whatever version they're doing, and the Beatles. It's that era of the guys who are like in their 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. Well, the guys that grew up with it, it's that nostalgia that's, that speaks to them. And I, I think there is a market for James Bond, but I think it's also the same market as, like you're saying, Munsters, uh, mm-hmm. Batman 66. They're, and they'll probably sell decent... I mean, they're obviously going to sell decent numbers or they wouldn't be doing a theme like this. I think we're seeing a lot more of Stern gravitating towards those themes because they do sell for them. I mean, yes, but it'd have to be the retro. I, I think it would have to be the retro. I think yeah. if they came out with the Daniel Craig one, I think that it wouldn't sell nearly as well as a Sean Connery one. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, even a, a Roger Moore would do well, I think as well. So yeah. Yeah. There, there's a few of those titles that are cringeworthy. Yeah. So the, I don't and know. I'm which, not I don't know which one it is, but I clicked on, uh, it was just like a James Bond marathon. And there's one yeah. where he like, you know, waltzes into his hotel room and then someone like released a snake to kill him. And he flips around yeah. with hairspray and a lighter and, and fries it to death. And I'm like, what the heck yeah. am I watching? <laughs> yeah. It's actually, I, I, yeah. The movie you're thinking of, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's actually a fun one. It's one of my favorites, but I don't even know if I'd say it on this podcast because it just seems like when you say that, you're like, really? They named a movie that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so moving on, uh, we're kind of telling about different themes. Yeah. So another theme that they mentioned that uh, they were that was uh, they were thinking of doing was Angry Birds, and I kind of want to get your take on this one. You know, I've had a week to think about this because. Um just with everyone talking about it. I went through the flyer very, very thoroughly. At first glance, I thought, you know, for a game of this, 
uh, I wouldn't say caliber. I, the presentation of it, I thought, you know, the, the, the towers are really cool. I love how they spin. I actually thought it was really cool that they had the shooter that popped up through the middle of the flippers and it appeared mm -hmm. that you would shoot a ceramic ball or an egg at the pigs or at the towers or whatever it may be. But for shots wise, there was like one ramp and that ramp had a diverter so it could divert back to the left or right flipper. And I didn't know what they had planned there, but really I don't think shooting towers is what a lot of people would enjoy. Um, it might be a good nickel arcade style pinball machine because kids are all about like fruit ninja and angry birds and all those, those titles. And so I could see if it was like a redemption machine, maybe yes. doing really well inside of a, a nickel mania. But other than that, it just, I don't see it going anywhere. So, yeah. And, and I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head is, um, having, five bash toys doesn't work for a pinball machine. Um, but it would work for a ticket redemption game. Yeah. And so I think if you had it, which is basically kitty gambling, right? Yep. Cause that's what the kids do. Um, I, here's my thing. When I hear something like angry birds, think of all the games that they have tried to repurpose into a pinball machine. Yeah. And it always seems to not work. I just off the top of my head, they had even back in the day when they were when the uh, in the eighties and the arcade revolution, they tried like, oh, let's do Defender. Oh, you know, even before that, let's you know, Space Invaders. Let's do Baby Pac Man. Let's do, you know, let's do Monopoly. So you're doing all these games that are games first, and then they're trying to repurpose them into a pinball machine, and the theme integration never works. Yeah. It always feels like a knockoff. And when I saw the Angry Birds layout, it made me think of the kids game that I have downstairs, which is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game that I got for five bucks. That is something you buy at Toys R Us or Walmart for 40 bucks. Yeah. And that's kind of the vibe I got from it. I look at that and I say, I just don't see me ever really wanting to do this. Well, and the other interesting part, too, is, is Highway supposedly had planned that there would be a pro and a premium. And on the premium, the whole play field would be a, essentially like a P3 system where the whole play field is like the TV screen. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. Maybe it was best. See, I think P3, if they did Angry Birds, I can actually see that because they're kind of, it's kind of blurring the line a little bit with a traditional pinball machine. And different options. I think P3 could really integrate it very well. Oh, yeah. But I think as a traditional pinball machine, I think it's a non-starter. Yeah. I just... Part of me was kind of... I would have liked to see it come to fruition and at least see a prototype out at uh, a pinball show. Just to kind of mm -hmm. see where it was going. But we'll never know. That was... It, what intrigues me is I want to know how Jeff gets this information. Because... This has obviously been around for years now. When they pitched the idea, Angry Birds was big, what, five, ten years ago? Sure. So, I mean, Highway wasn't around that long, but even at five years ago, it just it makes you wonder, A, how he gets this information, and B, why it got kept quiet so long. So, Well, I, th I, I don't know. I bet there's a lot of these, um, these brainstorming sessions and maybe some, uh, you know, some arrested developments sessions that we probably never hear of. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's the same type of thing. Also, when you're trying to capitalize on a gimmick, are, are they going to do a Flappy Birds pinball machine next? Yeah. Or, you know, the Angry Birds movie came out basically like two years too late because people had already stopped playing Angry Birds. And so th- this is the challenge of having like video games from movies or something like that where you're kind of trying to time that at the same time but it just never really works because the movie's not done before the 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 release. Uh, you know they don't have enough time to say, okay, here's the complete movie now. Now take two years and make a pinball machine. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is we haven't made a video game, or sorry, pinball hasn't made a pin- video game pinball machine since the '90s with what's Street Fighter Two or the Mario games. <laughs> yeah, and, and those were great. Yeah, they were okay. Fantastic. Again, just another thing that it's a. It's a gaming theme that does not translate to pinball. True. I think I think there are some gaming themes out there that would translate well, but I don't think mobile games are even in that realm whatsoever. I don't see us doing a, no. uh, a PUBG or a Candy Crush pinball machine. I know there's some people out there who would love a Candy Crush, but I just don't well, see... Okay, what those things work, those things would work well for uh, Ticket Redemption and Slot Machine. Yep. That's it. it. It's 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 the gambling side of things that I think those theme integrations would work really well for. Even Angry Birds, you could probably use something like that. Oh yeah. But I, I just don't see it. Uh, you know, pinball. It's it translates more to movies. In you're trying a theme, a story, chapters, end goals. It, it just doesn't seem to work with a lot of other games. Yeah. Well, and obviously, I mean, Angry Birds was licensing everything left and right. There was Angry Birds board games, and obviously there's a movie. Uh, these guys were probably pretty smart with their licensing, so whatever they saw in the pinball machine, probably mm-hmm. was a good idea that they backed off. So, Yeah, well, and, uh, and the... Um and the person running highway. Yeah. Well, we don't know what point this was pitched at. We don't know if alien was a disaster yet at this point. There's a lot of unanswered questions, but I don't know. It's cool to see that the, um, it's cool to see these, you know, there's the, Oh, what's, what's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that they made the pinball machine that never came to fruition. (laughs) Predator. You mean the guy that didn't have any licensing agreements? Well, not that. No, that, no, no, no. The, uh, total recall. The, the, the oh, V-shaped yeah. cabinet. I mean, there's just stuff like that. It's cool to see. I mean, that's years ago, but it's cool to see this stuff to come out. And mm-hmm. yeah, but uh, actually, a movie that that I still want to see is the the Kroll pinball machine. The Kroll. You're <laughs> so you, when I was like five to ten, Kroll was an awesome movie. It was. To, it, I'm sure today it would be horrible to watch, but the pinball machine. It looks like a mini play field, but actually underneath, it's a entire play field. It's okay. huge for a mini play field, but the way they have it uh, shrunk down in the viewing screen, I'm sure just that feature alone would have cost them way too much to mass produce. Oh, yeah. But I have heard this before. That would have been interesting. I think Head to Head talked about it a couple episodes. It's probably yeah. been two or three months. But yeah, they talked about it. It was like a magnifying glass. So yeah. that way you could see the whole play field. Yeah. So... No, that would be cool. I would like to see that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you and I have been talking for the last couple of weeks about maybe theming our podcast. And so we wanted to talk about game rooms. Where else to start but a home game room when you're talking about pinball machines, right? Absolutely. So 
Um, how did you, how did you start your game room? You know what? My game room is still a work in progress. Um, I have started picking. Um, I I have the games, but right now I don't have a theme. Um, I would love to get um, my friend on though, and he has what looks like an amazing themed room downstairs. He painted his entire ceiling as a as a Pac-Man. And then on the walls, he has Mario. Okay. And so I, I look at that, and this is aspirational to me. Like, I don't even know what else I, what I could possibly do. But what I think, though, is you need to start with what do you want your room to be? Okay. Yeah. Because for me, a game room is kind of an escape in that, hey, there's so much stuff we're doing, we're dealing with in real life. And this is kind of a way of escaping and getting to this is this has nothing to do with, you know, with politics, religion, with uh, with anything else that's going on in life. And this is just going back to being that 12 year old kid. And, hey, we're having fun. Um, So that's the main question I would ask is what do you what kind of vibe do you want your game room to have? What, What have you done for your game room? Honestly, my game room is my garage, and yeah. it's unpainted walls. It's band posters. There's not really much to it. I've, I guess I really haven't thought much about having a game room. But then again, we're trying to sell our home and buy a new home, and the new home would mm-hmm. hopefully, the new home we're looking at, I can turn into a game room. I think I would want to theme it around my favorite pinball machines, because uh, Attack from Mars, Monster Bash, Medieval Madness, I really love the Bally Williams stuff, um, which is funny for me to say because I didn't grow up in the 90s era with pinball machines, but that's mm-hmm. kind of what I gravitate towards too. Maybe it's because of my, my level of gameplay that I can play towards, but I mm-hmm. feel a satisfaction of completing the wizard modes on those ballets. I feel like they're obtainable for my level. And so I would like to do something like that. Um, when I first got into pinball, I was trying to do like a soccer theme because my first pinball machine, well, my second pinball machine was World Cup Soccer. Um, I got kind of, it was World Cup Soccer of 2014, if I remember correctly. And so I, I bought the World Cup Soccer ball. Um, I did some other stuff, but it didn't really mesh very well. And so I think the problem is, is how do you theme a game room when like stuff you were talking about, like Mario and Pac-Man don't necessarily mesh with pinball machines. Cause I, I, I don't strictly want just pinball machines, but I don't sure. s- see, I'm one of those guys that would love to have an ar- a four player arcade that had like a 60 and one or a thousand and one. And then that way yeah. I didn't have to fill up the whole game room with just arcade machines. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it'd be hard to theme unless if your themes were like superheroes. I mean, there's tons of superhero pinball machines. Sure. That'd be a good yeah. one. Uh, bands. I mean, there's plenty of band ones. Um, heck, I guess you could even go retro at this point. You could kind of section them off if you wanted to. Um, did you Did you see on Facebook? I don't know. This is going around a couple months ago, but there was a gentleman that when you pressed a certain bu- button on his Tron arcade machine in, in the downstairs living room, the whole wall would move. And then when you... Oh, walked, really? Yeah. When you walked yeah. in there, it had like Medieval Madness. It had Attack from Yeah. Mars. I, I have seen that, and I, I look at that and say that has that is a very motivated person to have a, a Disneyland-style themed arcade. Um, yeah, I, I have seen stuff like that, and I think that 
I think to start a game room, to start off, manage expectations. And so start off with a focus piece of, hey, this is a fun thing that it's not serious, but it has to do with gaming. So whether or not it's pinballs or arcade games or whatever your passion is, and have a way of just tying that in. some good ways, like I bought a, I bought a Mario, uh, a life, well, a life-size Mario that's about three feet tall that <laughs> I, I, I bought from uh, some guy who used to run a video game store, and he had it for the Nintendo 64 release party, and he's kept it around all these years. So I, I bought it used, and it just makes me smile every time I see it. That, um, that thing is pretty cool. Every time I go over yeah. there, like, all whenever you have... Uh, tournament nights at your home we're like how do we still hit that without him seeing yeah (laughs) no absolutely everybody says you know even even jeff rivera said that if i ever sell it that he wants to buy it so and jeff is the Um, nintendo guy his basement is nintendo yeah i told him he gets first dibs (laughs) um but the uh another way of doing it is find some sort of art that goes along with it so uh i think the tilt cycle um you know, it, that is great stuff, you know, repurposing oh, yeah. old, old pinball uh, parts and making them art somehow. I have another friend who he put uh, lights, uh, you know, those programmable lights in his ceiling. And so he can turn them on to whatever color. And he put back, uh, he bought a whole bunch of, you know, trans lights or, or uh, back glasses and he framed them and he put them on the wall. And so the, he has a new way of integrating, but my my suggestion is start with a focal piece and then kind of work out from there. Just kind of figure out what vibe do you want people to have when you get into the room. Yep. Well, and the lighting you're talking about, it's like the LED stripping all the way around the, the crown molding of his room, isn't it? Well, uh, there's a few ways of doing it, but even like the Philips Hue system, okay, which yeah. is, it's kind of an expensive system. And so like, again, this is uh, baby steps here, uh, but he has a small room that he put all his pinball machines in. It used to be a, an office and he rethemed it. So he has five on one side and five on the other side. And he has the, you know, the ultraviolet light and he has the, the carpet. He, he got a big carpet that uh, reminds him of the eighties and it's a really cool vibe. And you go in there and it feels like you're in an arcade. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But for mine, mine is more of a, Hey, this is a fun place to hang out. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to integrate things. So you've I got guess I'm like, looking for suggestions. You got like what, 10, 12 pinball machines in your basement. It's a fun place to hang out. Trust me. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> it's fun. And, and I got a, I got a popcorn maker, which is always good yep. uh, with, uh, you know, with the games down there. And so just something that's like, Hey, people want to come in and hang out. Yep. Even if it's just you. <laughs> How did you start buying your pinball machines? I guess, where, where did you start looking for them? So mine was kind of haphazard. Um, I really wasn't into pinball before I bought my first pinball machine. Uh, what I would recommend people do, though, is to get tied into your local scene. Yes. Um, so usually there's like a Facebook group or, you know, find out, uh, find out kind of local areas that play pinball and you can start getting, uh, you know, getting a toehold in the community. And the best way to buy games is really from other players, uh, any local players, because you'll be able to say, this is what I'm looking for. And 
you'll get to know them well enough to say, well, if, if you trust their advice and if you think they're, they're upstanding and they'll say, well, okay, here's my budget. What would you recommend? They're like, well, here, here are the games in your budget. Um, here's some other games that you can look at. And that way you can avoid buying something purely on theme. That really is a bad playing game. Well, and I think also you kind of hit it on the head is you need to go out not only with your local scene, but find where the best places are for pinball machines um, mm-hmm. and play the crap out of them. Don't be, it's easier to drop 50 bucks inside of, you know, four or five pinball machines and not having a heart or heartbreak over, well, that's not my favorite instead of mm-hmm. buying a pinball machine, even, you know, kind of used for 4,500, one of the newer Sterns and then being like, well, this wasn't what I thought it'd be. And then, you have the headache of well, now I got to sell it and all that jazz too. So I, I, I would also point out, you do not want your first game to be a project game. Correct. Don't shoot for, don't buy a $5,000 game that you got for 2000 because it just needs a little bit of work. No, buy a game that works. And that way, because you're going to hate it. It's, if you buy a game that always need, needs maintenance, you're going to hate it and it'll get you out of the hobby faster than you got it. Well, I think a lot of it too has to deal with budget. Um, so if yes. you're looking for budget pins, this would be my recommendation to you. This is what I've done. Make friends with local arcade owners. Um, mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, uh, hopefully this isn't your first pinball machine, mates. You're, you're looking for your second or your third, but hit up an arcade owner say, hey, I'm looking for some pinball machines. Do you have anything? There was a gentleman, they'll either tell you one of two things. No, I'm not selling in my pinball machines. You can't buy them. Okay, cool. <laughs> he back off. Or the second mm-hmm. one is, is I've got three set in the back. None of them work. They turn on or they do whatever quirk it is. And, and honestly, some of those arcade owners don't know what they're doing. And so it could be something as simple as like my World Cup soccer. I'm not going to say how much I bought it for, but I got it for a really good price. And really one of the only things that was wrong with it was it was missing a soundboard. Yeah, it's a $300 fix. Well, and there was other stuff too, missing rollovers, missing this and that. Sure. But it was little easy stuff that I could fix myself. It, was, it wasn't like gouges in the play field to the point of the ball would get stuck somewhere. Or um, look for stuff that you feel comfortable in fixing as well, especially if you're going with budget pinball. And there's nothing wrong with owning a budget pinball machine. I do, I do feel weird now having my World Cup soccer that has... You know, one of the plastic ramps was broken in a spot, and so there's like a metal piece that's there. So it doesn't look fantastic, but it does the job, and it still plays smooth and flowy. It doesn't hang up there. But sitting next to Monster Bash, <laughs> new out of the box, right. you know, it, you, you kind of look at your other one, and you're like, oh, this doesn't look as great as what I have to the other, to the next of it. So just depend, it just depends on your budget. So I agree. I, what I am saying, though, is that you should at least your first pin, you should get one that plays. Yes. Yes. Cause you don't want to just have an expensive box of lights. Yep. I totally agree. So, well, and I guess that brings us to the next thing we want to talk about new versus slightly used versus location used. I guess, should we do pros and cons? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's do pros and cons. Okay. So why, why don't you go, why don't you go first? Let's, let's, let's start with the, Let's start with cheapest to expensive. Sounds great to me. I feel more comfortable in the location used bin. So 
Okay, so the Pro is nine times out of ten, it's going to be fairly cheaper. Um, mm -hmm. You really got to keep an eye on them, though. There is, in our area, there's a local arcade gentleman that um, thinks that his pins are worth a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, sure. Like I went and looked at one of his Terminator twos. It was missing inserts in the play field. The ball will get stuck in the hole where the insert was supposed to be. And he wanted three grand, three grand for the Terminator two. Dang. Yeah. Wow. So there are going to be those people out there, but there are going to be people mm -hmm. that will sell you a pinball machine for less than a thousand dollars. So there is that pro you got that price. Um, location used nine times out of 10. They're those pinball machines you grew up with. So, mm -hmm. Um, they're themes that you want. They are the Terminator 2s. They're the, well, not Adam's family because that's a little more desirable, but uh, there's going to be games that were highly produced like the Ghetto. It's the volume market. Exactly. It's like the, the Ghetto. It's the volume market. Yeah. And so um, you're going you're gonna to find one of those pinball machines that you pumped quarters into and you wish you would have owned it when you were 12 and now you can own it now that you're 42. So yeah. um, cons, they're going to be beaten up. Um, I've come to figure out that the outside doesn't really matter as much just because once you slide that pinball machine into place, it usually goes next to another one or it goes next to a wall. So you're not going to be seeing the sides of it. Um, so long as it's not splintering, so long as it's not warped, so long as it's not, uh, uh, not dry rot, but you got water on it. And so, you know, swelling of the plywood or whatever, just, just make sure yeah. those things are affecting it. And then just kind of go over, this is what I do when I go to buy a location pinball machine. I actually watch like Bo and Karen's tutorials for the Papa videos and see mm -hmm. how the game should play. Oh, right. you know, when I shoot this ball here, it, it should do this. And then that way, when you go to check out the pinball machine, you can kind of push buttons and say, oh, this, this isn't working or that isn't working. Um, and so, cause you don't want to get at home and then realize like, there's parts of it that aren't working at all. And then you should have not bought it because it's going to cost you an extra five or $600 because of it. So, yeah. Um, well that that's kind of the lipstick on the pig uh, scenario too, where it looks, it looks nice, but it's not working. Yep. Um, and, uh, there's a, there's a, a guide, actually a book guide that I recommend someone, everybody buying a copy of it and just having it as kind of a reference. It's a, this, it's Mr. Pinball. Yep. And there's a book guide that tells about, well, this is how uh, roughly how many were produced. And this is kind of what the going rate. And if they think it's going up or down now, you do need to take that with a grain of salt. Um, my attitude is if, if the market is sustaining 3,500 for a machine, if a machine is higher quality, say like a third, you know, something that someone's asking 3,800 and it's worth it, not just someone who's delusional. Yeah. And I'm willing to pay the 3,800 because I'd rather just have a game that is a higher quality game. But if you can find a game that is, well, at least you need, need to know the going rate and then kind of guesstimate how much work you'd have to put into it. Yeah. I think that that lets you decide whether or not you want to buy the game. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think that pretty much covers it for lo location used. Um, what are your thoughts on slightly used? Uh, I am a huge fan of the home use only market. Um, people who have, who have bought them and have had them for a while and they're just ready to move on. 
Um, my Simpsons is, uh, I don't think you could find a nicer Simpsons. I think it was just a family who bought it and put it downstairs and probably had less than 50 plays on it. And so it ba- and my Spider-Man is basically the same way where it's, uh, you know, I bought it from uh, a family who uh, they had moved on and they hadn't played it in years. And it still looks like it was new in box, um, able to get it for a decent price. The nice thing about it is you're, you're saving on shipping, you're, especially if you're buying it local, you're saving on shipping, you're saving on, um, you're saving on tax, you're sa- yeah, and you're probably getting maybe 1000 to 1500 off, depending on what the market's going for. Yeah. But you get that, you know, kind of that, it doesn't have the new car smell, but it still looks like a new car. Yep. Uh, so I think that's a great place. Now, the caution is you need to make sure that they at least have kept it in a place that's not, you know, there's no warp in it or they, uh, the batteries that they forgot to change 20 years ago. Yep. And so you have, so you have acid wear on it, but I'm a big fan of that market cause that's where I buy most of my games. Well, and the thing I like about this market is if you're looking for a new pinball machine, like say a guardians, of the galaxy, it's been out for about a year now. Um, mm-hmm. this is what I love about it is you got people that then see monsters that come out and go, Hey, that's yep. what I want. I got to get unload one because a lot of us can't. It's more of a room uh, situation or it could be money. But they say, I got to get rid of one. And they usually get rid of the one that they've played for the last six months. Now they're just sick of even looking at it. And so you mm-hmm. can find Guardians of the Galaxy for like $4,500 now versus new in boxes, what, 58 And so... Yeah, 53 if you talk them down. But yeah. yeah. No, no I, absolutely. But you're not paying for shipping. Yep. You're... You're, you're getting it. And yes, it, it, and that's the thing that people forget about these limited markets. So even in like LEs, if you want LE, fine. And they're sold out, fine. I guarantee wait a year or wait six months and someone who bought it is going to say, oh, well, the next LE is coming out. I need to sell this one. Yep, exactly. And there's, there's, there are some of us that hold on to them, but there are going to be a handful of people that will say, hey, it's time to let this Deadpool Pro go. And if you've been mm-hmm. playing at your local barcade or your local arcade and you're loving it, it's worth the, the 4,500 or the 5,000 just to pick it up and yeah. take it home. So that's what yeah, I, I think so. That's what I like about slightly used. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I think that's the sweet spot as long as you find the right seller and correct. willing and willing to kind of wait to find the right thing. And you also, you have to figure out availability though is so if you want to go out and buy a Black Knight 2000 home use only, you're probably not going to find one, yeah. at least very readily available. However, you can find something that is readily available. And if you're flexible and you don't have that one machine that you're hunting after, you can find something good. Yeah. Well, and I think also um, slightly used does fall into a kind of a specific category. Like you said, it's going to be hard to find like a Black Knight 2000. But mm-hmm. I think those newer Sterns, anything in that last five years, Jersey Jacks, yes. you know, Wizard Odds, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the nice part, too, is with buying Slightly Used, you get all that feedback of, hey, this is what typically breaks on this pinball machine. Mm-hmm. So take a look and see if this is what's broken. So. Or this is a dog. This thought, you thought this was going to be a big seller, and it turned out to be not so big of a seller. So if you're a wrestling fan, go and pick up that wrestling wrestlemania le or whatever it is exactly so well let's move on to new 
the only thing I can think of with new that it would be a con is price. And you're, you're buying the car off the lot, so to speak. And you're yeah. going to have depreciation the second you drive it off the lot. <laughs> There's no ifs, ands, yeah. or buts about that. But then again, the, you get the new car smell, right? So. You do. The, the challenge, too, is that not all new in boxes are created equal. Um, and so, you know, they, they talked about it on uh, Slam Tilt where they said, the irony of dialed in is that when you buy it, it's not dialed in. Yep. So you have to figure out how to uh, basically how to make a machine work for you just right out of the box. Because sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes there's recalls. I had to replace a ramp in my attack from Mars LE. And I bought that new in box. Yeah. And, or not, not a ramp, but uh, um, an orbit thing. Okay. Yeah. But it's, uh, so there are little things like that where you are getting the new car and you also don't know where the vulnerabilities are. Even if it's a brand new, uh, a new game or a new old game, there's still going to be things that they're fine tuning and that they are going to fix with time. Yep. Well, I guess that's what you got to outweigh is, is it worth it for me to buy brand new unbox? And, and especially mm-hmm. now that they've implemented the new tax code. So you can't buy over state lines without having to pay the tax. for Right. It. <laughs> which always seems kind of a kind of an end around to me yeah like i actually i, I i'm gonna be you can get out your pitchforks but i'm gonna be one of those guys to say it's actually a good thing for them to say no you really have to pay taxes because just because you're crossing a state line it, it doesn't matter because i think what it does is it brings people back home because it was driving. Uh, we we don't have a distributor in Utah anymore. Yeah. Because it was driving. It was driving the competition by saying, "Well, I can buy it from you, who's my local guy, or I can buy it from someone, uh, you know, right right outside the state lines, and I'm getting a three hundred dollar credit." That that always seemed like it didn't really, it, it didn't ring true for what was supposed to go on, going on. So I'm hoping that with this, with closing that loophole that it kind of drives people back to their home market. I think it, it might, but I think there's also a lot of loyalty there. I, I yeah. don't know. I, but then again, 500 bucks is 500 bucks. I mean, that's... No, it is. And, and I think that that kind of drives you back to the second, because you're not going to be able to, on the secondary market, even if it's, you know, 50, let's just say 5,500 for a pro. Yeah. If you buy that and you pay sales tax on it, you're not going to be able to sell it for 5,600. Yeah. It's it, like people don't do that. No, they don't. So, well, and I can't remember which podcast it was, but someone mentioned it could even become a bargaining chip. Um, hey, you're not paying tax now on this when you're buying it used, you know, you're saving yourself that extra money on top. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that works into everything. So, yeah. No, well, I agree. So now you got your new pinball machine sitting in your basement, whether you bought location, whether you bought slightly used or you're new. What are your what are your three machines in your game room that you've gravitated towards based on toys? You wanna do you wanna do your one and I'll do one and then we'll just kind of move back and forth like that? Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll say the the top three that kind of make me smile every time. So I'll, I'll go with my three. So I love the Canon and Black Rose. Yes. Uh, the cannon is such a cool feature that it goes down underneath the play field and it, and it rotates and then you hit the button and it shoots out from underneath the play field. 
every time it does that, I, I smile just because it's it's different. It's different than a lot of the, the a lot of the games now have the same vibe yeah. where they have, you know, a, a bash toy here, a bash toy there, but it just doesn't have the same sort of um, ingenuity, I guess, that the, the canon does. So I love that every time. I agree. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of of Black Rose until mm-hmm. I came over to your house and actually got some playtime on it. And it is a fun pinball machine because of that. Now, I will say, I did find Tweak It, though. So the when I first got the Black Rose, I, don't, I didn't really like it as much. But I did, I did a couple things that really changed things. One, I, uh, I put Invisiglass on it because that field is su- super dark anyway. Yeah. I, and so finally, I was able to see all the way up. And then I got the Penn Stadium lights in it, and it really changed the vibe of the game. So it felt like, oh, this is a modern game. It didn't feel like a game from the early 90s. Yeah. So my first one I'm going to talk about, my first toy, is Thing from Adam's Family. Uh, it's very satisfying once you get greed lit up, and then you do the short plunge right into the scoop, and Thing gets rang up by the telephone right next to his box, and he comes mm-hmm. up and grabs that ball. It's, it's, I, it puts a smile on my face every time because it just it's such a cool idea that I guess in the grand scheme of things doesn't really add to the gameplay. I mean, it's really just a magnet grabbing a ball that diverts it somewhere else. But it's just really cool that that was one of the ideas that they had. They were, that it adds to the actual world under glass, so to speak. And it, it's just, it's awesome. Every time I have someone come over, I'm like, you've got to get it in that scoop so you can see Thing grab the ball. And so yeah. it's what people remember. And that's one of why it's one of my favorite toys. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's part of the experience. It's part of something fun. Yeah. So. so so, my second one would be the Stern Pirates of the Caribbean, the ship. Oh, yes. I mean, the, the ship, you have, you, you, you hit it, it, the sails go down, you hit it again, it starts rocking back and forth, and you hit it again, it sinks. And it's the only toy that I can think of that really has three different iterations of how you actually look at it. Mm-hmm. And since I have a home market and I got a, a different... Uh, I got an airball diverter that I put down, so I was able to take the uh, sneeze guard off it. It looks even better. Cool. So, I, I I I love that, and everyone likes it. You know, I say, like, hey, hit that ship. You'll you'll see something really cool. Oh yeah, and I love how uh, with that game that they integrate also the kind of the safety on the first ship, so that way the ball's kind of caught and and drifted back down towards you, kind of yeah. as safe as it can do. But yeah. Well, my next toy that I was thinking of was, I don't know if this counts as a toy or not, but I'm going for it. Uh, the goalie and the goal on World Cup soccer. Uh, okay. I love when how responsive that system is. You shoot in the goal. It yells goal just like you would in a World Cup game. Um, if the, the default, if the, the defoli, the goalie ends up deflecting it, you know, the announcer's like, oh, that was a great shot, but he blocked it. You know, it, it gives you a lot of feedback that way. Mm-hmm. And it's just satisfying. I know people that will come over and play that game, and that's all they do is just shoot for the goal. And I'm like, it's not, mm-hmm. even, it's not even lit, guys. Stop shooting for it. I lo- they're like, we love it, though. <laughs> just keep shooting. Yeah. And it's more of a shot. But, I mean, with the integration of the goalie moving back and forth, it just it, it's one of those games that every time I go back to it, it puts a smile on my face just because that goalie, uh, getting it past him and just – yelling goal you know it's just it's perfect i love it 
yeah, no, it's it, it's a great feeling. Uh, my number one is I think everybody's toy number one is the Medieval Madness Castle. Um, I think it's genius. Uh, every, my kids, that's all they want to shoot for is they want to shoot for the castle, and I I think that the ability they had to integrate that into a game is kind of mind mind boggling, and so I I love having that and it that is always my go to if someone says hey I I have limited space but I have excess budget what's one game I'd get and I said I'd get this one because it caters to uh, it caters to easy players it caters to uh, you know beginning guys it caters to uh, experienced guys. The only people it wouldn't really cater to is probably like the ultra tournament guys. Yeah. But you know, you can still make that really hard for that. But that's really such a small market of who's actually buying a game for the home market. When you look at the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So I, I, it's always my go-to for people who are new to the game. Well, and that's one of my favorites too. I mean, that's what drew me into pinball. I remember after my first time playing pinball, I asked uh, Sean what the best pinball game out there is, and he said Medieval Madness, and then he described the castle to me, and mm-hmm. I, I had to play it. Uh, that's when the pinball arcade had Medieval Madness still on there, so I downloaded it and played the crap out of it. I, it's one of those toys that is one of those defining traits. So, mm-hmm. um, so my number one right now in my collection um, would have to be the Frankenstein Bash toy on Monster Bash. And it's, a good one. it's fantastic because when it starts up, um, it, it starts with the whole, the scientist is flipping the switch and Igor's there pump, pumping Frankenstein up. It yells, it's alive. And you just start wailing on him. And mm-hmm. especially with Chicago gaming, the in- integration of the shaker motor along with the new visuals, it just, it's mm-hmm. perfect. If, it, it's terrible to say, but it's, it feels like you're honestly lighting him on fire just because yeah. you, hit, you hit him, it shakes, he goes up in flames. And it's just, yeah. it's funny because um, when I originally used to play Monster Bash, it was more for the strategy of starting the modes and then hitting Frankenstein last. But mm-hmm. if I don't start a single mode and I start Frankenstein multiball on my third ball, I'm happy because I, I get to beat up Frankenstein. So yeah. that's honestly my favorite toy right now. So. Yeah, it, it's good, and and the way that they have uh, done their LEs on their monster bashes, it's uh, they have taken it and upgraded a classic. Yes. And so, yeah, it, it's a perfect it, it's a perfect integration for someone who wants that old school feel. Yep. Well, and going back to you know us talking about new inbox, I honestly haven't had any issues except for maybe adjusting coil strength on my pinball machine. Um, I was I got it out of the box and I was so excited to start playing it. I had it like nine degree pitch and mm-hmm. it got really frustrating because that left ramp is not very forgiving. If you don't get it even halfway up that ramp, it screams back at you. So I finally yeah adjusted and everything. But yeah, so that's our top three for our pinball machines. If anyone wants to reach out to us and tell us why they have a favorite toy, uh, you can definitely hit us up at Loser Kid Pinball Podcast at gmail.com we also have a facebook of loser kid pinball podcast uh or you can find us on facebook that's probably the best place to find you right scott uh probably probably <laughs> well and the cool part is is since i uh since we've started this up just the people that have reached out um dennis creasel of eclectic gamers uh 
just shot the breeze with me a couple weeks ago after our last episode. He wanted to talk about, he was intrigued by the idea of the Stern swappable play fields for the old classics. Uh, and mm-hmm. we just talked about how it wasn't really viable, but it was, it was cool. It's cool to get a conversation like that going. So, yeah. So we're just two dudes that like to BS about pinball. If you want to talk about it, we're available. <laughs> so, well, we're kind of getting close to our, our end mark. I didn't know if there's anything you want to talk about before we go or, um, uh, no, nothing, nothing, uh, so far. I need to think about the, uh, the other themes that we're going to be talking about in upcoming shows, if people have suggestions, feel free to send in a, send in a suggestion to Josh. He, he reads all the emails. So I need to get Scott set up so he can read those emails as well. But I wanted to do a couple shout outs, a uh, special one lit lit. Thank you for giving us a shout out on not this last episode, but the episode before. Uh, I really appreciate that you guys sat down and actually listened to us and gave us some feedback. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I want to give a shout out to the pinball nerd, Albert. I cannot pronounce your last name, so I'm not going to do it. But it's a different approach to podcasting right now. It's kind of cool because it's it's just like a chill vibe of listening to a dude and his pinball thoughts. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. Um, yeah, man. Everything else has been pretty kosher. So I'm liking what All right. I, I'm liking how this is going. So all right, we'll go out and shovel some snow. <laughs> we'll do you too, sir. All right, we'll see you. All right, later. <laughs>